my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 312. Hope you're doing very, very well today. Uh, very short episode today. Literally doing three topics. We're mostly here for predictions. I'll be totally honest. We're going to talk about uh, the Browns and Jaguars game. There's a reason I'm talking about it. Something interesting happened when I was watching it. I went, oh, that's worth pointing out. Um, we're also going to talk about what I got wrong last week during week 12. We'll do some predictions for this weekend, NFL week 13. I also want to just give a shout out, man. There's some really good stuff going on this weekend. Things that you should be aware of. We got uh, BYU playing Coastal Carolina. That's uh, number 13 BYU playing number 18 Coastal Carolina at Coastal Carolina, by the way. There's a cool story, not we're telling on this episode, but I'll do it when I do the full game breakdown about how BYU even made that game happen. Uh, number 12, Indiana's playing at number 16, Wisconsin. That'll be really fun. There's even a college football game literally on Sunday where you have Washington State at number 20, USC. My two favorite quarterbacks in the Pac-12 are playing, Jaden Delora against USC's quarterback, Keaton Slovis should be a blast. I'm excited to watch that game at some point. Uh, and then also, for you F1 people out there, I got to say, first of all, I made a mistake. Apparently, during my last F1 topic, I mentioned, I said Ferrari instead of Mercedes. I think I also, somehow I spelled Bahrain wrong. Bahrain wrong. It's B-A-H and then the word rain. And I put an E for whatever reason at the end of Bahrain. I, look, I don't know. I was tired. It was like minute 120 of an hour and 30 minute podcast. Like I... I was at the end of a show. I just, I screwed up. I'm wrong. But I want to say, uh, this weekend in F1, the Secure Grand Prix is happening. Lewis Hamilton is not racing. He got COVID. And replacing him with Mercedes is going to be George Russell coming over from Williams. So, have you ever thought, man, what would it look like if George Russell drove an actually decent car? We're going to see him in probably the best car in F1. That'll be really fun, really exciting to watch. So, good stuff is happening this weekend. And uh, I'm also... You know, after this episode uploads, literally like the minute it's out, the minute I click publish on the, on the video and the podcast vi- uh, version, uh, I'm going to be driving seven hours north. It's going to be, I'm going to my grandma's house. Remember, my grandpa just died a couple weeks ago. And I, to be totally honest, I'm literally, selfishly, I'm driving up north to give my grandma a hug because I don't want to take any risk that she's going to die and I'm not going to see her one more time. So I'm literally driving seven hours through the dark in the icy cold to try to get to my grandma's house. She lives in uh, outside of Colville, Washington, which is roughly like 30, 40 minutes, maybe an hour. I'm, I'm not good enough with geography to tell you exactly how far it is from the Canadian border, but it's like a Canadian border town, basically. It's like right up there in the cold, frigid mountains. And um, I, I just want to see my grandma one more time, uh, just in case, right? I don't, after the season is over in the off season, I'll, got, I'll get more time to go up there and go see them, but I'm not willing to risk not seeing her one more time, so... Um, wish me luck. I'm a little bit nervous. Again, it's already dark outside. It's uh, 5.44 p.m. at time of recording. Probably even here at like 8 p.m. So 8 p.m., get there at 4 a.m. Like, it's going to be a weird night, <laughs> driving through the night to get up north to the mountains and hang out there. But I, I don't know. I, I want to see my grandma one more time. And I encourage you, if you're out there, if your grandparents are old and you got an opportunity to see them, be safe with COVID, obviously. My grandma's isolated. She lives in the mountains. Like, I, I, I've been isolated. She's been isolated. I'm not nervous about that. Um, but I do encourage you, if you can, find a way to see your grandparents or find a way at least to call them and tell them you love them and, and talk to them one more time because you never know what's going to happen. 
So last week, the Browns beat the Jaguars 27-25. to And I want to first say that Baker Mayfield played very, very well. The last three games before the Jaguars game, Baker had zero touchdowns and zero interceptions. They were 2-1 and one in that three-game stretch. And people kept saying that Baker was playing bad. Like, oh, Baker Mayfield hasn't been good enough. And uh, has anybody really been paying attention to Cleveland weather? Like, you realize the Browns played three home games in a row in November. <laughs> and, like, it was historic. I've never seen worse weather, actually, in Cleveland. I mean, I'm sure there has been. I haven't paid attention long enough to Cleveland. There was, like, a day where they had a thing. I can't remember the word for it. There's some weird type of rain and sleet snow mix thing that was, like, it was a mess. It's been horrible, windy, terrible weather, like, horrible conditions to throw the ball. And I think people forget the context. They just look at numbers and go, Baker's been bad. Well, I, look, I, I, you know me. Uh, I, I have no problem calling out Baker Mayfield when he's bad. I, and then, hey, I also try to be fair. I try to point out when he does stuff right. And recently, Baker's been playing pretty clean football, pretty solid football. And then against the Jaguars, he played very well. <laughs> I think he deserves some credit. People love to hate on Baker Mayfield. I, I don't have a dog in the fight. I don't care one way or the other. I just call it like I see it. And uh, he had one bad miss on the goal line against the Jaguars where Baker should have. He didn't really set his feet at a guy wide open, missed an easy touchdown. Like, oh, that's pretty hard to forgive. But otherwise, other than that one throw, Baker had a really good game. He had a great touchdown pass, like a perfect ball location, back shoulder to Jarvis Landry, two touchdowns on the day. And so Baker's playing very well. By the way, the Browns are 8-3. and three. Like, nobody's noticing, oh, the Browns are doing phenomenal. Like, very, very well. And, I mean, all three of their losses are to teams that are probably playoff teams. They lost to the Ravens, the Steelers, and the Raiders. Like, that's, if you're going to lose three games, that's pretty solid. I, I Honestly, I mean, I, I this, this matters what I'm about to say next. When you look at Cleveland this year, they've won pretty much every game they were supposed to win. And that does matter. Like, you, you have to win the gimmies, and they have. And Baker looks pretty good, better than... People aren't talking about how clean Baker's been playing recently. As the year has gone on, he's got better. He's got a brand new coach this year. Kevin Stefanski, the new coach of the Browns. I'm very impressed. He He's another coach. I talked about Kyle Shanahan in the last episode. Kevin Stefanski's another guy that should be in the running for coach of the year. What he's done, fixing the Browns, basically. Figuring out how to take all that talent they have and turn it into something positive. I, I just think the Browns are not getting the credit they deserve for how they're playing this year. Now, the Jaguars. Uh, it's worth noting the Jaguars didn't have their defensive coordinator uh, due to COVID protocol in this game against the Browns. Uh, but the reason why I'm talking about this game, Baker Mayfield, the coach, the Browns, the, the reason I'm talking about this game is Mike Glennon. You know who Mike Glennon is? He's 30 years old. He's, he played for the Raiders last year. hasn't played a game I believe that the number was, he hasn't played a game since week four, 2017. I think that's right. Uh, it's right. I know. I, look, I pay attention. I know it's right. Um, so last Sunday, Jaguars against the Browns. I watched the best performance I've seen by any Jaguars quarterback all year in 2020. And I went, oh, what a pleasant delight. It was interesting. And this was a back-and-forth game. The Jaguars had the lead, then the Browns took the lead, then the Jaguars would fight back, then the Browns took the lead again, like back-and-forth trading blows with each other. And the reason why the Jaguars were even in this game against a, a really good 
They were 7-3. and three. They're 8-3 and three now, the Cleveland Browns. The reason why the Jaguars were even competitive in this game, Mike Glennon. What? Mike Glennon? And people know I love Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew, the, the person, the human being. I went to college with him. I like Gardner a lot. Uh, unfortunately, despite my fandom, the, the, I, I like the human being Gardner Minshew. As a quarterback, he's very, very physically limited. It holds him back, and it's disappointing to watch. And when, you know, when Gardner got hurt, they played a rookie quarterback. Jake Lutton played. And uh, he had a big arm. I was like, wow, arm talent's there. But he made bad decisions far too often for me to go, wow, that's the future of the Jaguars. Now, on Sunday, what Mike Glennon did was he combined the positives of both Gardner Minshew and Jake Luton into one person. He's got a huge arm, but he also made great decisions. And I was just blown away at two touchdowns. I think he was 20 for 35 passing, 200-something yards. Uh, James Robinson also had 128 yards rushing and a touchdown. And this was the best the Jaguars offense has looked all year. And I went, okay, that's noteworthy. And so the Jaguars have five games left. They play the Vikings, the Titans, Baltimore, the Chicago Bears, and the Indianapolis Colts. But I'm really curious. As the year comes to a close for Jacksonville, I want to know, how does Mike Glennon play? Like He's 30 years old. He's, he's probably not the franchise future, especially because the Jaguars are going to have a really high draft pick. They're, they should they owe it to themselves to draft a really high quarterback, like a guy probably like Justin Fields from Ohio State. But if, if Mike Glennon does very, very well the rest of this year, the next five games, I think the Jaguars should sign him to a one-year deal and say, hey, you're the mentor for whatever quarterback we're going to draft. Use him the way that Miami has used Ryan Fitzpatrick. Let Mike Glennon start day one, 2021, if he does well, and let him help develop any young quarterback who comes into their team next year. Because, look, they need a veteran presence. He's 30 years old. He's been all over the league. At one point, he had a big contract with Chicago. And I just think, man, use Mike Glennon. If he turns out to be what I think he was after one game, I might be overreacting. We'll see how he plays. It's contingent on him doing well the rest of the year. But if he plays well, he might be a great guy to work as a mentor to help develop whatever young quarterback comes in next into Jacksonville. Now, the Jaguars are probably, I don't know probably is the right word, they might fire their head coach, Doug Marone. And it'd be easier to make an argument in favor of Doug Marone if he was a defensive coach. He's actually not. It's kind of weird. He was like an offensive coordinator, then a an offensive line coach, and he's actually, despite the fact they keep firing offensive coordinators, you, you'd be kind of surprised to find out, oh, Doug Marone's actually not a defensive coach. He's actually not. It's kind of, I, I thought, for whatever reason, I always kind of assumed he was. I did the research. I'm like, oh, he's, he's not a, how did I miss that? He's actually just kind of a weird offensive line guy. Uh, but I, you could make an argument, well, if you're going to bring in a new quarterback, we can just bring in a new offensive coach, but because, uh, a coordinator. But because Doug Marone's an, not a defensive coach, I can't even make an argument really to keep him as much. It's harder to make an argument in favor of keeping him. But I do want to give Doug Marone a lot of credit. I don't know. His role is ambiguous. Uh, I don't know what he would do on another team. And I, I also know that it's weird to praise a coach who's got a 1-10 in 10 record. But you got to understand, Doug Marone was given a nearly impossible task this year in 2020, where he's got the youngest team in the NFL. They didn't really have any kind of offseason program. 
They have a subpar quarterback, Gardner Minshew, who I like the person. I can admit his flaws as a quarterback and his shortcomings just physically. He's not really what you need for a franchise quarterback to elevate a team like a young, not very talented roster. Oh, yeah, by the way, Doug Brown's been dealing with COVID. It's a lot to deal with. And you, he was really never set up to succeed. And the Jaguars were never destined to win a lot of games this year. In fact, I even thought they were tanking literally at one point. But I, I got to give Doug Marone and his coaching staff, the people around him, credit where they've done a really good job developing the young players in Jacksonville. It just needs a shout out. You go, wow, to do what they're doing, you have to be a teacher. And you, you find a lot of people that know the game of football very well or can call a good game. But it's even harder it takes a more specific skill set to take young players and teach them the game and develop them into players who can contribute on your roster. It's a lot easier to take a veteran who knows what they're doing than teach a 22-year-old kid how to play football. And the Jaguars have been fighting very, very hard. They've been competitive. Even in their losses this year, they've been very competitive and interesting to watch. And I want to remind people again, Doug Marone has never had a good quarterback in Jacksonville. The dude once got to the AFC Championship with Blake Bortles as his quarterback. My two least favorite quarterbacks of all time, Blake Bortles, Mitchell Trubisky. He got there with Blake Bortles. I don't even know if Blake Bortles is in the NFL anymore. I think maybe he's like the Broncos backup, backup, backup quarterback. But my point is that even if the Jaguars decide to fire Doug Marone, he deserves credit for what they've done him and his staff have done developing young players in Jacksonville. Guys like James Robinson, DJ Chark, receiver, Colin Johnson, another receiver, Louis Chenault, uh, Caleb on Chason, CJ Henderson, Jason, uh, Jason Allen, uh, J- Jason Allen. What am I saying? Oh, Josh, sorry, Josh Allen. Jason. Why don't I know say Jason? That's so stupid. I'm like, I'm like, that's not his name. Josh, he's got the same name as a quarterback. Josh Allen, uh, CJ Henderson, Sidney Jones, Andrew Wingard, the safety. Trey Henderson, another safety, Josh Jones. Like, these are young players who the Jacksonville Jaguars have done a great job. To, like, look at how young their roster is. And then the names making plays, you go, that kid's 22. He's 24. He's 23. You're like, oh, my, he's, he's in his second year in the NFL. You're like, what the heck is going on? The Jaguars are developing young talent. And it's hard to do. And I, I think it deserves a shout-out, in my opinion, where I think despite the fact that they're 1-10. They've lost a lot of games. They're probably going to continue to lose games. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, we'll see what Mike Glennon can do at quarterback. But the Jaguars staff has done a lot more than people realize. And I, I just think that it's disappointing that they're not going to get recognized. They're probably all going to get fired. And it's like, man, like, they've done such a good job teaching the young players how to make plays and how to become impact players. And the progress the Jaguars have made from week one uh, I guess they beat the Colts week one, week two, and on. It just They've just gotten stronger and more competitive as the year has gone on. And younger and younger players are making a name for themselves, even despite injuries and COVID and this and that. And I would totally understand if the Jaguars said, hey, we're going to fire our head coach. We're going to bring in a guy who knows offense very well. We'll get a young core. Like, they, they might hire a guy like Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator from Kansas City, say we're going to pair this great offensive coordinator with a young quarterback like Justin Fields. I get it. I totally understand that philosophy. But if the Jaguars do fire Doug Marone, I hope he gets another job in the NFL. I don't know what he would do. He's kind of got a weird, ambiguous role, where maybe an offensive line coach. He's done that job before. But he's a solid teacher of the game. 
him and then also his coaching staff below him. And it just, again, the skill set to teach and develop young players is a rare one. And I, I just want to give Doug Marone a shot. Like, he's done a good job. And I, I know you're like, but they're, they're losing every game. I know. But if you just look at the losses the Jaguars have and don't look at the full picture and how they've done and who's playing and who's making plays, it's oversimplified of a take to say, well, they're losing, they suck. Uh, well, they're losing because they're the youngest team in the NFL. They were always going to lose. But I just walk away going, they got young players making plays all over the place. And to do that, to have a guy, they're just developing people. And I go, that's, that's a skill set that's unique and deserves some respect. So shout out to Doug Marone. Done a great job. I don't know that he keeps his job, but I, I really walk away impressed with him and how he's done this year in 2020. Okay, um, let's go back to last week, NFL Week 12. I call this predictions versus reality. I kind of compare the predictions I made against the reality of what happened. Uh, basically, I love to talk about what I get wrong. And then occasionally I go, hey, I, I nailed this one and I talk about that too. So we'll start with the Raiders and the Falcons because I actually, this is my, the worst prediction I made last week. I, going into the game, was very, very certain. I thought the Falcons had no chance to win this game. I was certain the Raiders would win. And well, uh, the Falcons did win. They, in fact, they won by a lot. The Falcons won this game 46, or sorry, 43 to 6, which is just unexpected to me. And here's why I was wrong. Number one, I walked away impressed with Raheem Morris. They're four and two. The Falcons are under their interim head coach, Raheem Morris. They're playing solid football. Their defense did a lot better than I would have expected. But they, the truth here is that the Raiders were awful. I mean, I think the Raiders had probably the worst performance I have seen from a team all year. They had five turnovers. They had costly penalties. They had, they had 11 penalties for 141 yards. They were 0-2 in the red zone. They had a, a play where they, they had a missed—Atlanta missed a field goal, but they got a roughing the kicker penalty that gave Atlanta an automatic first down, set up a touchdown. It's like— mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake. I've never seen a horrible, a worse performance this year, at least. And I go, that's why I was wrong about the Raiders Falcons. I could not have predicted how awful and how many mistakes the Raiders would make against Atlanta. Now, Chiefs Buccaneers, I picked Kansas City to win this game. I said, I don't, this is actually verbatim. I said, I don't think the Buccaneers had their act together enough to beat a team like Kansas City. And I nailed it. The Chiefs won. 27 to 24 and the Buccaneers again they made too many mistakes to beat a team like Kansas City but they are making progress and I I would warn people as you look ahead to the playoffs the firepower the Buccaneers have makes them dangerous and if they figure things out which it seems like slowly but surely they are pay attention to Tampa Bay I would not if I had a favorite team I would not want my favorite team to play them in the 2020 NFL playoffs now the Vikings and the Panthers. Uh, I picked the Panthers to win this game. But the Vikings actually won, 28-27. to Now, there was a weird sequence first. Before we get into what happened and why Carolina lost this game, it was kind of a crazy, unique sequence where Jeremy Chin, who's a safety, a rookie safety for the Carolina Panthers, had back-to-back fumble, you know, fumbles returned for a touchdown, where on a, on a third-and-eight play, he picked up a fumble, Ran it back for a touchdown. I went, wow, that's kind of crazy. Then the Panthers kick it off. The Vikings get the ball. First and 10, the very next offensive play for Minnesota. He does it again. He got another fumble. He returned that one for a touchdown. 
And I went, how? I don't know when I'm ever going to see that in my lifetime. Where I see two back-to-back offensive plays that result in the same player getting a fumble return for a touchdown. It was weird and bizarre. It gave Carolina a 21-10 lead. But unfortunately, after that, from that moment on, and even before that, I guess, Carolina just missed way too many opportunities to win this game. They had two field goal misses. They had... Um, they also threw an interception in field goal range. I guess maybe they also lost. Did they miss maybe three missed field goals? Because I know they also missed the game. What would, could have been the game-winning field goal as well. Um, I, I just, man, the Panthers, here's the key mistake that the Carolina Panthers made. Regardless of how many field goals they missed or they had a, that interception that Teddy Bridgewater threw uh, in field goal range, it would have been, it probably cost them three points. The, the key mistake, and I, I love the Carolina Panthers head coach, Matt Rule. I'm on board with him. I think it works. Give them time. I said give Carolina five years because that's how long it might take. But if you do it, man, Matt Rule could give you something very, very special. And I don't think it even takes that long. They're already looking way better. The Panthers had the ball fourth and goal on the three-yard line. And by the way, already a three-point lead with like, what was it, uh, Two minutes and 10 seconds off. Something really short like that. And instead of going for the touchdown on fourth and goal from the three, they kicked a field goal. They took a six-point lead and gave the ball back to Minnesota. And I didn't understand it. It was frustrating to watch because in my head, you go, man, go for the touchdown. If you don't get it, well, you still have a three-point lead. And you're making Minnesota drive all the way down the field to score a touchdown or at least way farther to kick a field goal. But also, man, if you get the touchdown, you're up 10 points with no time left. You win the game. Like, you want a touchdown there. And for whatever reason, Matt Rule settled for a field goal. I don't know if they're an analytical team in Carolina. Maybe the analytics told them that was right, but I don't even know how that's possible because a six-point lead is unhelpful. What it does is it forced Minnesota to drive. uh, It forced Minnesota to go get a touchdown, be more aggressive, and try for a touchdown rather than settling for a field goal, which would have tied the game. But I don't understand how a six-point lead late helps you when you could have had a touchdown or at least attempted to go get the touchdown. I never understood that. It, it was weird. It made no sense to me. And so I, I, don't under, I didn't understand the thought process there, why Matt Rule went, didn't go for it to try to get a touchdown on fourth and goal from the three-yard line at the very, very end of the game, inside of two minutes. Like I was just like, what? Why? Didn't understand that move. Cardinals and Patriots. I picked Arizona to win this game. I got it wrong. Uh, Another game I got wrong. To me, this was just a reminder of how good of a coach Bill Belichick is, where the Patriots' defense played very, very well. New England won 20-17. And uh, I I just thought, man, like, uh, Arizona got outcoached. I mean, Cliff Kingsbury versus Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick played a coach to better game. His players are very disciplined on defense. And uh, despite the fact that Here's the crazy thing. The Patriots lost a turnover battle. They uh, had like a hundred, over 100 fewer yards. Cam Newton had two interceptions, no touchdowns. Like on paper, you go, New England should not have won that game, but they did because of their coaching. And I walked away just very, very impressed with Bill Belichick. Now, Green Bay, the Packers against the Chicago Bears. I picked the Packers to win... Uh, they did. The Packers won 41-25. to Felt like an obvious one where the Packers had a better coach, better roster, better quarterback. And then, uh, you know, Mitchell Trubisky played quarterback for the Chicago Bears because Nick Foles was hurt. He was a train wreck. I, I just, I don't, 
I'm so tired of watching Mitchell Trubisky play football. I did a whole video about it. Got like got like forty something thousand views. I just, uh, I just, I'm done. I, I, it's, I, I don't. I am so disappointed every time I turn on my TV and I see Mitchell Trubisky playing. I'm like, why? Why are we still here? I don't want to do this anymore. Now, I picked the Titans to beat the Colts. Uh, the Tennessee Titans did win. I nailed that one. The Colts' defense was missing a couple key players. They were missing uh, defensive tackle DeForest Buckner. They were missing linebacker uh, Bobby Okariki. A couple other people, too. Um, and I said that Derrick Henry would have a huge day. The Titans running back, he did. Derrick Henry was phenomenal. The Titans won the game 45-26. to Derrick Henry ran for 178 yards and three touchdowns. And, uh, I mean, I just, I nailed that one. I just, I knew that without some key players in their front seven, Indianapolis is going to have a hard time stopping the Titans on first and second down. Derrick Henry would have a big day. He did. And uh, that is why the Titans won that game. I picked the Dolphins to beat the Jets. Another just obvious one. I called this game a mismatch. I said that, you know, Tua was hurt and there was some doubt whether Tua or Ryan Fitzpatrick would play. I said, it didn't matter who would play quarterback for the Dolphins. And by the way, it didn't matter. Uh, the Dolphins won 20-3. to Sam Darnold had two interceptions. Uh, Tua didn't play. It was just sad and ugly. And, I mean, Miami's a very well-coached football team. And uh, I, I just, uh, the Jets are terrible. I, I don't want to watch the Jets anymore at all this year either. The 49ers and the Rams. Uh, I, I picked the Rams to win. Got it wrong. I, I, was, I walked away. Very impressed with the 49ers. The 49ers beat the Rams 23-20. to They had a last-second field goal. Nick Mullins, the backup quarterback, who I'm starting to think, despite the fact he's not great, I still think Nick Mullins is better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, he had a last-second field goal drive to give them the, the game-winning field goal, I guess. And, uh, I mean, think about this. A 49ers team that's been destroyed by injuries. They got a ton of backups playing. I mean, basically a team of practice squad players beat a playoff team, the LA Rams. That's unbelievable. And it's a testament to how great the coaching is in San Francisco. Now the Browns and the Jaguars, I picked the Browns to win. It was actually really fun. It was back and forth. I I was not expecting this to be a back and forth game. The Browns won 27 to 25. Uh, But the Jaguars quarterback, Mike Glennon, played very, very well. went, oh, hey, Wow. And uh, the Jaguars fight very hard every single week. They're no slouch. Baker Mayfield played very well. I got the game right, but I I didn't expect Mike Glennon to do as well as he did, and I didn't expect this game to be back and forth and close and interesting the way it was. So, wow. Uh, Browns won. Got it right technically, but I, I overshot how much I thought the Browns were going to win by. I just, I feel, I don't feel great about this one. I'm like, oh, I... I won on a technicality, but I didn't really get the prediction very correct. Uh, the Giants and the Bengals. I picked the Giants to win. Remember, Joe Burrow is not playing for Cincinnati. He's out for the year with an injury. And the Giants did win 19-17. to uh, But why was this game so close? Number one, um, the Bengals had a 103-yard kickoff return for a touchdown. It's a, a crazy good play. Uh, I think a lot of people in New York have given the Giants a lot of flack this week because their head coach is a former special teams coordinator. Ah, look, things happen. I mean, it's just every once in a while, even no matter how good you are at your job, you, you mess up, things go wrong. Um, but really a story from this game was that Giants quarterback Daniel Jones uh, hurt his hamstring pretty badly. 
He's likely not going to play next week. And what, what, unfortunately, so he didn't play the rest of the game. Colt McCoy played. But unfortunately, the injury for Daniel Jones, the problem is, right now, his biggest asset is his, his ability to run. I mean, I, all year I've been going, the, the best, most threatening thing Daniel Jones can do is run the football. And he, he had a great throw, like a beautiful ball down the right sideline for a touchdown against Cincinnati. Um, and maybe even if it wasn't a touchdown, it was like down to the one yard, something crazy. Like he's a great deep ball. Like, Ooh, that's beautiful. Um, but, uh, the giants won. Unfortunately, Daniel Jones got hurt. And even if he's back and healthy, a, a huge part of this game, his ability to run is probably going to be hampered the rest of the year. That's not good at all for New York. So uh, unfortunate for them. Eagles and Seahawks, uh, Monday night football. I picked Seattle to win. They did win. They won 23 to 17. DK Metcalf had a huge day. DK Metcalf, the receiver, had 10 catches for 177 yards. Uh, Seattle also had, their defense had six sacks. So they were getting steady pressure on Carson Wentz. And Carson Wentz, man, the Eagles quarterback, he had another ugly game. I'm ready to watch Jalen Hurts play quarterback for Philadelphia. I, I, I'm just, Carson Wentz is depressingly struggling. And I, is it coach? Is it quarterback? It's, I think it's kind of both. And I, I, I do know that every time I watch Philadelphia recently, I go, man, Jalen Hurts could be more accurate. Jalen Hurts probably could make better decisions. And I, I know the Eagles are paying Carson all this money, but I, I, I honestly, what, what I, my dream of dreams, what I want to happen, what I want to see happen is I want to see Carson Wentz traded to the Colts in the offseason. Get him back with Frank Reich, the coach he had a lot of success with on that Super Bowl season where he was probably could have been the MVP if he hadn't gotten hurt. And um, I just, uh, Carson Wentz needs different coaching. He needs a better roster around him. And I think a change of scenery would do Carson Wentz a lot of good. They're not going to do it. He's very expensive. But I, my, my dream scenario is Carson Wentz getting traded to Indianapolis. Uh, I picked the Bills to beat the Chargers. This is another game I nailed. Buffalo won 27-17. And, uh... The game was not as exciting as I would have hoped. I was hoping that Josh Allen versus Justin Herbert, the trade blows, and maybe maybe be back and forth for a little while. It really wasn't ever back and forth. Buffalo was up 24 to 6 at one point. And uh, Justin Herbert, I mean, I Justin Herbert and the Chargers, they just keep losing and losing and losing and losing. And I I love watching Justin. He's great. Like, he's fun to watch. Are they ever gonna win games? Like I it's I mean, that argument is going to be, have to be made maybe in a couple of years from now if they're still losing the way they're losing. But every week I go, man, when is L.A. going to figure it out and win some football games? They're, it just, it's frustrating to watch as a guy who I want to see Justin Herbert do very, very well. It's like, man, can this guy not figure it out? They're probably going to have to fire their coach, which is I like Anthony Lynn as a human being. But I, I, unfortunately, they're probably going to do it because they, they need to generate more excitement and they need to – uh, try to change whatever's going on there in L.A. I, I would give Anthony Lynn one more year. Uh, I think that it's what's, what you got going on with Justin Herbert is working so well. I wouldn't want to mess with that chemistry, and I would chalk it up to it. You got COVID. It's a weird year. You're dealing with COVID. I, I, I would hope Anthony Lynn gets another opportunity, but I, I understand that they fire him as well. Saints at Broncos. I picked New Orleans to win this game. What I could not have predicted after Jeff Driscoll got COVID, a positive test, uh, Saturday before the game, it was found out that all four Broncos quarterbacks are ruled out of this game due to COVID. So 
literally they had Kendall Hinton, a wide receiver off the street, play quarterback for the Denver Broncos. He was one for nine passing at two interceptions. It was ugly. It was bad. It was just not fun to watch. It was sad. Um, a brutally ugly game. The Saints did win 31-3. to uh, And the only reason why Denver got three points is because Taysom Hill, the Saints quarterback, threw an interception, which gave Denver really good field position. They went three and out, but they were still in field goal range, so they kicked a field goal, got three points. It was just a an ugly, bad, bad game up in Denver. Not fun to watch. The final game of the week, uh, the Steelers and the Ravens game. It was not canceled. That did finally happen. I picked Pittsburgh to win. They did win the game. Uh, the Steelers won 19-14. to And after the game, a lot of people were going, Whoa, the Steelers are frauds. They're not very good. Blah, 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 blah. That's, you know, they're undefeated, but the Steelers, clearly, they're not very good. They haven't beat anybody. Well, I mean, the division, the AFC North plays the same people, whether it's the Browns or uh, the Bengals or the Ravens. And the Steelers are... They've won every game. I don't think I don't think Pittsburgh really cares how they win. They're just glad to win a game. So I don't know. I personally walked away from this game feeling like you know the crazy circumstances of this game it was a Wednesday football game. I think I did find out apparently there was a Thursday night game that got moved to a Wednesday. So it was a Ravens game. It was a, sorry, it was a Cowboys game actually to start the season. It got moved because of an Obama speech. So apparently there have been two Wednesday night games. In NFL history, and the only person ever to play in both games, by the way, is Des Bryant. Very weird and unique. Like, huh? Never, never would have, never would have even thought of that. Someone gave me a message, told me that. I'm like, huh? Weird. Um, so the Steelers are undefeated still. Uh, I think I would chalk it up to man. So it was a crazy game with weird circumstances around it. That's why the Steelers struggled. Also, remember, the Ravens and Steelers have had the same coaching staff for years and. Mike Tomlin, John Harbaugh, they've been there forever. And they know each other very, very well. Every little intricacy, how to play each other, what each other likes to do, their tendencies. So anytime you get Steelers and Ravens, it's going to be close. I don't really care who's playing. Um, and I, I just walked away going, I, I, I'm not really the, – the same concern everyone has about Pittsburgh. I don't go, oh, yeah, they're, they're clearly terrible because they're so bad. They're, what, they're 12-0 and 0 now? I don't, I don't walk away nervous about them at all. Uh, they're undefeated. I'm sure that's all they care about. And that is predictions versus reality for NFL Week 12. All right, I'm going to take a short break. I need to. My mouth feels weird. I'm going to take a short break. When I return, we will do NFL predictions for next week, NFL Week 13. And uh, that'll be it. I'm going to take a short break. I will be right back. All right, we are back. Hope we're doing very, very well. Uh, NFL Week 13 is here. It's time to do some NFL predictions. It's tough, though, because it feels like COVID can change anything on a dime. So take this episode as a time capsule. You ever, like Tomorrow we could find out that the entire Patriots team has COVID and nobody can play. Like I don't, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I know what's going to happen right now. And so far there's a bunch of games scheduled. And we know some people are missing from COVID, but we'll do the best we can. And uh, if something changes by tomorrow, I hope you don't hate on me. The first game I want to start with is the Saints at the Falcons. Uh, this is a prove-it game for the Saints backup quarterback, Taysom Hill. Personally, I am picking Atlanta to win this game uh, because I, I mean, the Falcons are 4-2, and two, by the way, under their interim head coach, Raheem Morris. They're playing very, very well. They just beat the tar out of the Raiders. And uh, not to mention, two weeks ago, the Saints played the Falcons again. So it is really, really hard to beat any team twice in a three-week span. 
But I, I, especially the way the Falcons are playing, I like them. And I haven't been super impressed with Taysom Hill. So I am picking the Falcons to win this game. And even if I'm wrong, it'll be really fun to talk about what happens. And, and maybe Taysom Hill goes off and has like 30 touchdowns. I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, but right now, given the information, I've, what I've seen from the last few games with Taysom Hill and what I've seen from the Falcons recently, I am picking the Falcons to win. The Bengals at the Dolphins, this feels like an easy one. Uh, the Dolphins are a much better team. The Bengals do not have Joe Burrow. Therefore, I am picking the Dolphins to win on Sunday. Raiders-Jets, another easy one. Not worth a whole long spiel because uh, the Jets are terrible. Now, the Raiders were also awful last week in Atlanta. So maybe the East Coast thing they really struggle with. But I would say if I could pick a single team in the NFL for the Raiders to try to have a tune-up game to come back from a bad a game against, I would pick, hey, you want to play the Jets? Because maybe you can rebound and play better against the Jets, and that's exactly who they're playing. So it's a great opportunity against the worst team in football for the Raiders to clean things up. I'm picking the Raiders to win this game. They should win, uh, and hopefully easily, given you know if the Raiders do anything that they've normally done all year other than that Raiders game last week. Now, there's a couple phenomenal games this week. Uh, the Patriots at the Chargers. This is Bill Belichick's defense against Justin Herbert. Oh my goodness. I cannot wait to see what happens. Uh, logic says that the Patriots are a more disciplined, better coached team. We've also seen traditionally a rookie quarterback against a Bill Belichick coached team does not do very well. But I also want to point out, this is not a normal year. Things are way less reliable. COVID's happening. And even though the Patriots should win this game, Justin Herbert feels like a wild card here. He's very, very talented. He's very explosive. He can make plays happen like that. He's got a huge arm, can run. We will see what happens. I also don't really trust Cam Newton. The Patriots should win this game. But I, I'm hoping it's a great game. And if it is a great game, it's all due to, in, in part because of Justin Herbert's ability and talent to just create plays as a quarterback. And personally, I would love, if an upset happened here and the Chargers won, it'd be a lot of fun. I want to see Justin Herbert do very, very well, but we'll see what happens. I, I'm curious because, again, rookie quarterbacks normally really struggle against the Patriots. Now, another potentially fun game is the Browns at the Titans. Uh, these are two teams that run the ball very, very well. The weather should be decent in Tennessee. Both teams are 8-3. and three. Both teams are very, very solid across the board. I think the Browns have a slightly better defense when healthy. I think that the, the Titans probably run the ball I don't know. They both run the ball so well. You have Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, two quarterbacks who love play action. And I, maybe Ryan Tannehill's a bit more efficient and a bit, I trust him maybe more in a, in a close game, but I, I don't know. I, we'll see what happens here. I don't, I'm not confident picking a winner of this game. It's one of the games this week where I'm just going, we'll see what happens. I'm really excited. I'm curious to see what happens. It's a great opportunity for both teams. I guess the question is, can Baker have a great game for Cleveland? Can he play very, very well? And then can the Browns' defense, can they force Tennessee into third and long situations where they can't run the ball at Derrick Henry on third down? That is what the Browns need to do to win. They need Baker to have a great game, and their defense needs to stop Tennessee on first and second down. Now, the Colts and Texans, oh, boy, this should be really fun. I'm picking the Colts to win because they're a better team all around. Uh, but, man, Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson is playing very, very well. And it's hard to pick anything. Now, his team's not very good, so it's, it's, I guess it's easier to pick against Deshaun Watson than normally. Um, but I expect Deshaun Watson to make this game interesting, even though I'm picking the Colts to win. 
the Rams and Cardinals, it's another great game. Both teams are coming off of a bad loss where last week the Cardinals lost to the Patriots, the Rams lost to the 49ers, and the Rams have a very good defense, but I will say I'm picking Arizona to win because it's a must-win game for Arizona. They're 6-5. and five. They cannot afford to go 6-6, six and six, uh, and they need to win to keep their season alive. It's a must-win game at home for Arizona. I trust Kyler Murray, Murray a lot more than I trust Jared Goff. I'm picking the Cardinals to beat the Rams on Sunday. Giants at Seattle. Uh, it's hard to have faith in the Giants this week because uh, their quarterback, Daniel Jones, hurt his hamstring. He's doubtful. He's probably not going to play, which means that Colt McCoy is going to play for the Giants against Russell Wilson in Seattle. And I'm picking Seattle to win. Their defense has been very, very strong recently. I think the Seahawks are going to do very, very well. Um, and I, I like the Giants. I think they've made progress this year. Joe Judge, his team looks well coached. I mean, I really, I have been impressed with Joe Judge, how he's done this year. But I, I just go, Seattle's a better team with their quarterback. I, it's easy to pick Seattle here. The Broncos at the Chiefs. Um, I mean, I'm picking the Chiefs to win. I would be completely astounded if the Broncos found a way to win this game. They're injured. Uh, they have a quarterback I don't really trust in a big game. Uh, like I, I like Drew Locke, the person. The, the Buzz Lightyear thing is fun. He doesn't pay that great of attention to detail. And the Chiefs might be the best team in the entire NFL, so I don't see Denver when they're not at 100% competing with Kansas City. Kansas City should win this game at home on Sunday. Packers-Eagles. I'm picking the Packers to win. I know I'm such a <laughs> I'm a frontrunner, right? Like, it's easy to pick the team that's way better. Um, the Eagles have been a mess this year. The Packers are 8-3. and three. Aaron Rodgers, they're well-coached. They got some good players on defense. And it's kind of crazy how hopeless this matchup feels. Remember last year when the Eagles beat Green Bay? Now, fast forward to a year a year later, and I go, I don't think the Eagles even have a chance to win. It's, it's crazy. Um, I don't know if we're going to see Jalen Hurts in this game or not. I, I am praying and hoping we get to watch the Eagles' backup quarterback play in favor of Carson Wentz. I don't think that's going to happen because they're paying Carson Wentz so much money. Politics matter here, but I... I, I want to watch Jalen Hurts. I think he'd run the offense better. We'll see what happens, but uh, it's probably going to be Carson Wentz all the way and a another bad loss for Philadelphia. The Lions and the Bears. I'm picking the Lions to win because I am petty. I am a petty human being. I am biased. I own it. I don't care. I own... I, look, I, I, my show is Strong Opinion Sports. Here's a strong opinion. I refuse to put any faith into a team that has Mitchell Trubisky as their quarterback. I, I can't do it. I, I refuse. I don't want to watch Trubisky play ever again. Uh, and the Lions are decent, right? Like, I know they fired their coach, but uh, come on, they can win. Uh, and I do know that I said this line all year about Detroit. If you give them an opportunity, they will beat you. They're not the worst team in football. They're not the Jets or uh, they're not even they're not even as bad as the Jaguars. So I, I, I know that the Lions fired their coach and it's like, well, of course you should pick Chicago. Do you trust Trubisky? You really trust Mitchell Trubisky? I know he actually had a game earlier this year where he had a great fourth quarter against the Lions, if I do believe. But I don't have any faith that Trubisky's going to beat the Lions. And even if he does, I, I look, I just, I'm, I'm not, I am not putting any faith into a team led by Mitchell Trubisky. There are two Monday night football games. Number one, you have Washington at the Steelers in Pittsburgh. Uh, picking the Steelers to win this game. But I'm expecting this to be a close, hard-fought game. More interesting and more close than people realize. Uh, 
I've been very, very impressed with Washington this year. They're well coached. They got a good defensive line. They run the ball well. They got Alex Smith at quarterback is playing very well. I mean, I think Washington is going to challenge Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh wins, but don't be shocked if this is an upset. I, I, if if Washington beat Pittsburgh, I wouldn't be like, what? I'd be like, well, yeah, that's part of the course. Washington, Ron Rivera done a phenomenal job this year, and this could be an upset. Washington at the Steelers. Uh, number two, Bills at, uh, I guess, Bills and the 49ers. It's not really, it's a home game technically for the 49ers. It's happening, though, in Arizona. Remember, they, the the Cardinals play at home against the Rams on Sunday. Then on Monday, in the same stadium, the 49ers play the Bills because the 49ers, due to COVID protocol and laws, uh, can't play games in California anymore. California, man. Oh, what a what a place. Uh, it's been a wild year. I, I just, I, I don't, whatever. Um, the Bills are right in three. However, I am picking the 49ers to win this game. I, I look at it and go, coaching matters. And I, I've been so impressed with what the 49ers are doing this year. And they got some of their starters back from injuries. Their defense is playing very well. I think their best quarterback is Nick Mullins. He's playing right now. Steve McGropel still in the IR. He's, he's just out. Probably, probably going to trade him after the year's over. So I expect a close, interesting game no matter who wins, whether it's the Bills or the 49ers. I do think the 49ers are going to challenge Buffalo. And this is an opportunity for the Bills quarterback, Josh Allen, to prove himself. To say, hey, I, I am going to go into a game on the road and win a game I should win. Because the Bills, they're 8-3. and three. They, they are a playoff team, right? And they should beat a depleted 49ers team. I'm picking the 49ers to win. But I'm, I'm leaving the door open for Josh Allen to prove everybody wrong. And, and not prove everybody wrong, but prove to the world who he is and how good he is. And we'll see what happens on Monday night. It should be really fun. I'm really excited for that game. The final game on Tuesday, uh, we have the Cowboys at the Ravens. I am picking the Ravens to win. I think they would win no matter who played quarterback for them. Uh, I think Trace McSorley runs the ball very well, and it'd be interesting and exciting. Uh, and, and I think it also says a lot of how little I believe in Dallas. But uh, I also I do believe that Lamar Jackson is going to play in this game. He's coming back from a COVID quarantine. Lamar is going to play, in my opinion. Uh, at least I'm kind of betting on that in this prediction. And I just, the Cowboys aren't very good, man. I, the Ravens are well coached. They got a lot of continuity. Uh, and I believe the Ravens, they're going to beat the Cowboys on Tuesday. Even if Lamar can't play, because Drake McSorley will be their starting quarterback if Lamar cannot play, because RG3 is uh, on the injured reserve. He got hurt. And there's that, there's that fun song. Donna, 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 Trace McSorley. My girlfriend hates it. She hates the guy's voice. <laughs> I think it's a fun song. But I will say, even though Trace McSorley is like a fun meme, I don't have a lot of faith uh, in Trace McSorley. I, I don't want to watch Trace McSorley against Andy Dalton. But regardless of who the quarterback is for the Ravens, they're a better football team. They're better coached. And I think the Ravens win on Tuesday uh, against Dallas. All right, guys, that's all I have. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Uh, no Ask Zach today. I really, I'm in a hurry. My girlfriend's probably mad at me. It's, it's, 6.36 p.m. This will come out like at 8, and I got a seven-hour drive ahead of me. So I got I to gotta skedaddle. I love you guys. I tried the best I could to make a quality episode. I cut a couple topics out, but I, I didn't want to be in a hurry, so I took my time making three quality topics I liked, and I hope you enjoyed it. I love you guys. Have a great day. But um bum bam We are done.